Welcome to the latest episode of Close Readings. This series we have called The Long and Short, because in it we're looking at a selection of modern long poems interwoven with some short stories. Modern meaning, in this case, from about the mid-19th century onwards. And as always, our conversation will be informed by the immense archive of essays and reviews that make up the back catalogue of the London Review of Books. My name is Seamus Perry. I teach English at Balliol College in Oxford, and I'm talking to Mark Ford, poet, critic, and professor of English literature at University College London. And today's subject uh, is the short stories of James Joyce, which are collected in a famous volume called Dubliners, first published in 1914, but mostly written, in fact, all written sometime before that, Mark. Yes, they have a sort of interesting sort of genesis in that uh, Joyce received a letter in um, 1904 from uh, George Russell, also known as A.E. Russell was a friend of Yeats's, and he edited a thing called The Irish Homestead, a magazine. And he wrote to Joyce asking if he might be able to supply a story for their kind of um, weekly story. Um, and he wanted something that would be uh, simple, rural, live-making, pathos, these are all the question marks behind, not to shock the reader, right. uh, he so continues. He, he didn't quite get what he wanted. <laughs> uh, so, and Joyce furnished one, The Sisters. That was the first one. And uh, quite a number of the of the Dubliners' stories in their initial kind of trial run were published um, in uh, <laughs> The Irish Homestead, which is suggests a kind of rather um, comforting take on Ireland. And you don't get a comforting take on Ireland, particularly in Dubliners. And then Joyce rewrote them quite extensively. But they were written when he was sort of 22, mm. 23 mainly, apart from The Dead, which was composed in 1907 when he was 25. And they are, for a young a young person, astonishing in their sort of their kind of confidence, their omniscience, their imperturbability, their range of characters, uh, but they had this tortuous publishing history, so mm. they didn't actually come out properly till 1914. So the problem um, he has with the, with, with the publishers is partly the use in some of the uh, short stories of uh, profanities, I mean, very mild by modern standards, but, but enough to trouble the publishers at the time. Also, I suppose, a sense that he was going to cause trouble, because the take, as you say, the take on Dublin in these short stories is pretty negative and involves some uh, fairly harsh, sometimes implicit criticism of the Catholic Church. Yes, I mean, the, initially they were turned down by an English publisher, publisher or they were accepted by an English publisher, Grant Richards, but then the printer who was setting them said, "We, I can't set this, uh, it's too profane. It really isn't at all profane. Richards lost heart and um, there was a long kind of dispute about it. Then he had an Irish publisher and they actually printed the thing or they had to pulp it because they felt it, 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 it was unacceptable. So he had this really you know, ghastly experience and they come out um, when he's sort of 33, uh, but they were written, you know, 10 years earlier, mainly. So um, it, it and Ezra Pound was, of course, the kind of crucial catalyst mm. for making Joyce believe in himself. And, and um, uh, he was a huge fan of these stories. So and, and affecting the introduction to Harriet Weaver, that's that transforms Joyce's finances permanently. Ab absolutely. Um, so in a way, they, the, the Dubliners were his calling card for, for Pound. And um, then Portrait of the Artist got published um, a couple of years later, and, and Joyce is is on his way. And 
they're, they're, he's on his way writing these stories because they so obviously connect with his whole project mm. that they connect with um, Portrait of the Artist, the Young Man, but obviously even more so with Ulysses and some of the characters uh, reoccur in Ulysses. But Joyce's mission to forge the uncreated conscience of his race, as he puts it at the end of Portrait, uh, to somehow present this panoramic diagnosis of Dublin, analysis of Dublin, recreation of Dublin in all its various facets. Uh, although in, in these stories, we are dealing mainly with kind of lower middle class characters, aren't we? They're mm. sort of the petit bourgeois. Mm. There, there are some grander characters in, in, in uh, obviously, the dead. They're slightly higher class. But actually, though Joyce was born into a relatively middle class family, uh, his father <laughs> drank it away, so to speak, or kind of talked it away. Um, and there's some interesting pieces in the LRB, aren't there, about the dad, who was obviously uh, um, a character. Yes. Well, we'll come on to um, some of the uses of his father, perhaps, when we come to talk about the dead at the end of uh, at the end of our conversation today. But yes, there's there's no doubt that he could talk the hind legs off a donkey, yes. and uh, and no doubt either that that Joyce obviously revered him in some way, unlike Joyce's brother Stanislaus, who really cut off all relations with his father. Yes, I mean Joyce made made use one of the problems with with Dubliners and Ulysses in some ways for for for, for his contemporaries, but he's made such flagrant use of their lives. And, and Stanislaus is a good example that in a painful case, the extracts from Duffy's diary are straight taken from Stanislaus's diary, which Joyce read on a regular basis yes. and pilfered and pillaged. We'll come on to that in due course, I hope. Um, the piece by John Bailey in the, in the paper is, is, is good on this in passing. He, no, he notes how, how much Joyce does use his relatives, as, as, as you say, in the stories. Uh, and, and then John says, but then what are relatives for? for writers. <laughs> There's something um, very, very heartless and quite cold about the way the imagination can work in certain writers. Well, that, and that's a fascinating aspect of the Joycean oeuvre, particularly up to Ulysses, the extent to which, as well as lots and lots of other things, they are autofiction, you know, mm. as we call it these days, that they are a sort of transposition of his own life and characters and people that he knew. And, and that's a Roman à clay in the way I get those in which kind of Prusala Recherche is also a Roman clay that these people are recognisable. But the offence that they cause, is, is there, there's possibility of that. Of the realism that Pound celebrates when, when he reviews the, uh, the, uh, the, the volume. But we should say as well, shouldn't we, that as well as this, this, this realistic and kind of covertly autobiographical impulse, there is also, especially for the Dubliners volume, um, and perhaps also for later works, but especially for Dubliners, there's a strong moralistic element in, in Joyce's sense of himself as a writer. And in the correspondence he has with Grant Richards about publishing the um, the text in a way that's not been cut or hasn't had, you know, offending bits removed, he, he speaks about his own vocation in extraordinary elevated ways, doesn't he? he? He describes the book as a chapter of the moral history of my country or a step towards the spiritual liberation of my country. Country. I mean, these aren't quite tongue-in-cheek remarks, are they? I, I, I don't read them that way myself. Well, no, but I mean, he thought of becoming a priest 
and he turned into the high priest <laughs> uh, of a different kind. Mm. And he took it, um, his vocation was one which was allowed him this kind of prophetic stance in relation to his country. Um, and it, the thing about Joyce, like other great writers such as Shakespeare, is that he's sort of everything. He's a prophet, he's a satirist, um, he's a kind of diet, he, he offers a diagnosis of his country, he's a realist, um, he's a brilliant psychologist uh, in terms of getting into characters, uh, ways of understanding the world. And the mixture that throughout Dublin, as you get, of kind of irony and pathos, mm-hmm. which I think is is that they, they you're never quite sure whether you're supposed to be feeling sorry for these characters or supposed to be feeling that this is a satirical takedown mm-hmm. of these characters. And it shifts all the time, is one of the instabilities of these 15 stories, which makes them so brilliant. And the facets of them are sort of just endlessly reinterpretable uh, and if you follow Joyce scholarship you'll realize you know that there's acres of stuff on Joyce and post-colonial theory and that kind of thing that that you can approach these stories from so many great different angles and that I think is is um, an element or a symptom of, of their their greatness or their canonicity that they can be read from so in so many different ways yes that 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 mixture as you put it there of of, of a, a affectionate sympathy but simultaneously corrosive criticism that is something that goes on to define later works of Joyce as well, isn't it? And so the figure of Stephen, which is the fictionalised version of Joyce himself in Portrait of the Artist, can be read in radically different ways, can't it? It can be Stephen is genuinely a heroic artistic figure, or it can be that there's a kind of criticism of Stephen going on for being so self-absorbed and yes. up himself. And the same thing you can see in Ulysses, I think. For some people read Ulysses at the time as this sort of searing indictment of the moral folly of contemporary Dublin. But I'd have thought most people now would read it as a celebration of Dublin and its vitality and its its just sheer kind of effervescence and funniness. Uh, very funny. I yeah. think that that's the point about Joyce. He, it, it, the, the way he mixes kind of comedy and tragedy or pathos or sadness. I mean, the, sa- the same is true of Gabriel Conroy uh, in The Dead, that do you see him as he calls himself fatuous and complacent and um, or do you see him in some ways as a figure of great sort of sympathy with who, and someone whose emotions become so tr- real to you as a reader that you can find yourself, especially in those last pages, completely caught up mm. in his dilemma and his experiences, so much so that... that um, there seems a kind of connection between you as the reader and Gabriel. And I think that's one thing that that, uh, that Joyce is developing in these stories. Thanks for listening to this extract from The Long and Short, a close reading series from the London Review of Books. To listen to the full episodes and all our other close reading series, sign up to our close reading subscription. Go to lrb.me forward slash close readings or click on the link in the description.